Amen. But if we can manage to break bread with our enemies, then who's going to get the victory? Amen. I mean, I love to eat. I think everybody knows that about me. But if I can eat with my enemies, how much, how much better does it get? Right? It's easy to eat with your friends, isn't it? But imagine going a step further and really being willing just to break bread with anybody. And, you know, Christ is going to get the victory. So tonight we're in Romans chapter 5. I've entitled this message, Recipe for Success. How many people in here like to cook? All right. Yes, bumper. All right. How many of you follow recipes? There we go. See, I would say I am not a recipe guy, that I just cook. I just throw stuff together that I like. But, and that's okay, because it works most of the time. Amen? It does. Especially if you're just cooking for yourself or a few friends, it works most of the time. But if we wanted to learn from successful people, we would, and I'm not saying their food is great or anything, but if we look at corporations like McDonald's, Wendy's, Taco Bell, listen to me. These are companies that are successful because they follow a specific recipe that I can go to Tokyo and the Burrito Supreme tastes the same as it does in Seaside, California, the same as it does in Red Bluff, California, or the same it does in Chicago, Illinois, right? So what I would say to you is sometimes we wing it in our faith. We try a little bit of this, we try a little bit of that, we try to be better at this, we try to be better at that, but if you actually take Scripture and follow it to the letter and do the things that it asks you to do, I would tell you that you're not going to be just successful some of the time, and you're not just going to be successful to your friends. You're going to be successful because you followed a proven recipe that's been around for a couple of thousand years. Right now, all of us, like, you know, guys, we're all, we're all a lot of us are same. We want to do what we wanted to do. Nobody's going to tell me how to do what, what I want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it, and I'm going to do how I want to do it because I could probably do it better, right? I'm going to do it my way. It, it, it's not until we get ourselves in a lot of trouble or we end up incarcerated or we end up separated from our family, we're like, all right, all right, where is that recipe book, right? I'm interested now, right? It doesn't say Betty Crocker. You know, this is not Bobby Flay's, you know, famous cookbook, right? And, and Bobby Flay is a, is a chef that I follow and a chef that I respect. And I, I love watching his show, Beat Bobby Flay. And uh, he generally wins because he really knows what he's doing. He has practiced his craft for many, many years. So I would say to you, if we practice and hone our skills as a believer we are going to develop a recipe for success. Amen? So I'm going to go ahead and read the first 11 verses in chapter 5 so that I actually get them done. Amen? Because I know my recipe for speaking is I get started and I get sidetracked because I get excited about something I'm reading and I go off on this, this rabbit trail and... Sometimes maybe four or five weeks later, we'll finish the text, right? 
You know, now I know why. I, I know that I would have been in the wilderness for like 60 years, right? <laughs> At least 60 years. So if you want to follow around, we're in, we're in Romans 5, and I love this. Text. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith unto his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only that we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has given to us. Uh, for a while, we were still weak, but at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Amen. For one would certainly die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, we would dare even die. But God shows us his love for us that he, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, since therefore we have, not, not, we have now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, we will be saved by his life more than that. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. And we've been talk, uh, talking about this through the entire book of Romans thus far. Uh, uh, verse 1, it says, Therefore we have been justified by faith. So, like I said, simply having that faith causes us to be justified, right? That we have become justified and the word justified, we could take it and we could, we could stretch out. It, it, we could say, just as if I'd never. Just, a, just as if I'd never committed that crime or never committed that sin or never been addicted or never did that wrong. And that's the way it is because the way Christ looks at it, it is as, just as if you have never done that. And that simply happens through faith. Now, do we need a bunch of faith? No. It says in Scripture, we need, even if we have faith as small as what? A mustard seed. That's pretty small, isn't it? Right? Teeny, 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 tiny. Right? How much time, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that, how much time have you spent searching for teeny, tiny crumbs of dope in the carpet? Right? Any carpet surfers here? Right? It, but isn't that the truth? We will, we will drop a piece of dope and we'll spend 12 hours looking in the carpet for a piece of dope, believing by faith that we're going to find it, right? Amen? Think about it, right? But that's, that's what it's about. We need to say it on terms that we understand it, that we believed that. Why can't we believe that we can be different? Why can't we believe that we can change? Amen? Right? If I'm looking out here, I see Chad's mom. Chad's mom probably, I can't even tell you for how many years, prayed and said, I want my son to be sober. I want my son to be safe. She believed 
by faith that he would be, right? Whether he proved her right or wrong over many, many, many years, did she give up the faith or the hope that her son would change? No, absolutely not. And so by faith, she believed. By faith, her prayer was answered. Amen? And that's what it's about. We need to, by faith, believe that we can be different. We can do something different. Our life can change. We can be that better mom or dad or sister or brother or cousin or aunt or even friend, right? We can be a better friend to somebody that needs a friend, right? Remember when I first started coming here, people wanted to be my friend, and I'm like, I, I didn't want, because they were not like me, right? What, you know, I, I, this family invited me over for dinner, and I told myself, what, what am I going to talk to them about? I mean, like, we have nothing in common. They have, they're like normal. They have a family. They have jobs. They work, you know. I mean, the only, and I'm just being honest, the only upside that I saw was maybe they had something good in their medicine cabinet, right? And I don't say those things to be funny. I seem to be honest because that's where I was at in my life. Yeah, I'll go have dinner with you. I don't even know you. I don't really, but maybe there's a bonus there for me, Right? But now that I've been through that, and now that I, by faith, believe, and now that I have been reconciled, and my life has changed dramatically, then I now come back to you and say, it can happen. It can happen for all of us. It says, through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace. Who has been shown grace? Who in here should be dead? Who should be in jail? Right? How many times were you not caught, right? I'm going, to show you, I'm going to show you faith because every time a cop got behind you and you were carrying dope, you, what, did, what did you say? Please, God. <laughs> now you're going to start praying, right? But isn't that true? You don't want to pray, right? But let, let the cop pull up behind you and you got a bunch of dope in the car. Now you want to start talking to God. Now you want to make a deal. Now you want to be reconciled. Now you want faith like a mustard seed, right? Isn't that true? So what I would say to you, there was a time when you were struggling, you would say, if only I could get to the point of being clean and sober. Well, amen, congratulations, hallelujah. I would say probably most of you in this room are in that position tonight. So now that God has done that for you, right, you were where you wanted to be. Now what are you going to do about it? Are you going to go backwards and then say, well, if I could just get back to where I was that night, right, you're there. Amen? You are there. You are here tonight. You are sober. You have your whole life and the whole world in front of you. You know, the whole world is your oyster, right? Now, I want you to think about a pearl, okay? I think most of you know how pearls are formed. If you don't, I will tell you. When, right? when an oyster opens up to feed because it's a filter feeder, sometimes the current or the rough seas will blow a piece of sand into the oyster as it closes. You ever got a little rock in your shoe? Didn't that, didn't that drive you crazy? You know, you're running, you're, oh, man, I, oh, oh. 
see, I, these boots, uh, part of the sole has worn out. There's, been, there's a rock, like, in my, and, like, I, I shake it, and I hear this rock. It drives me nuts. Every time I put them on, I'm like, oh, there's a rock stuck somewhere inside of the heel of my shoe. But what the oyster does is it secretes this, this goop around the sand so that it's no more, it's not annoying anymore. But it's still annoying. So it keeps secreting it and secreting it and secreting it and secreting it to protect itself from this annoyance. And all this time of these secretions over all of these years, what it forms is a pearl, right? So that, that annoying irritation that really drove this poor oyster crazy, it produces something beautiful out of that bad situation, right? And I would say to us that we are God's pearls, right? We were, I'm sure we were annoying little irritation to him. Right? I'm, I'm serious, right? Oh, boy, that Casey, I'm telling you. Man, I'm telling you. Or that James Campbell, oh boy, I'm telling you. All right, one of these guys, me too, when are they going to get it right? But we have, we, we have his grace in which we stand, and it says, and we rejoice in the hope in, in the hope, I have more hope, right? To me, I'm not done, right? Yeah, Michelle and I started the bridge in 2006. We started this meeting in 2004. Our goal is to help a couple of people. If we could help a couple of people change, we're cool, we'll go back to our lives. Well, we didn't stop there because we didn't feel like God wanted us to stop there because we wanted other people to experience the hope and the grace and the glory and the, the cleansing power of Christ so they could experience the same joy that we experienced. We never saw it going here. So the annoying little irritation that was me, right, God used that to make it into something better. And so what do you do when God fixes you or God makes you better? Do you just say, okay, I'm good? Or do we hopefully... Say, hey, I want to I talk to somebody else, right? On Wednesday, I'm taking uh, Claudia and Joey to Trinity High School, right? Yeah. Where they are going to share parts of their stories, um, and I haven't even told them this yet, because um, <laughs> I just found out today, basically with the entire school. So, in an auditorium. Yeah, I just found out. Sorry. <laughs> I told Lauren, I went, oh, I didn't know that. She said, well, I didn't either. I just, Pat just told me. It's the whole school. Um, so, but what they're going to share with these kids, and just because it's a Christian high school, does that mean everybody there's a Christian? No. They're going to share a story of hope with some of these kids who may have family members or maybe themselves in a similar situation or heading down a familiar road, right? And so they're going to go because they have found victory in Jesus. They have found sobriety in Jesus. They're going to go share some of what has been imparted unto them to hopefully make a difference in somebody's life. You know, 
They, they, they may never know it. Something that one of these kids may hear may just stop them from going down a direction that they would have otherwise gone down, and maybe they'll never know it. Maybe I'll never, and it doesn't matter, right? Who knows? God knows, and that's all that matters. So, so it says, we stand and rejoice in the hope and glory of God, not only that we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering, who likes to suffer? Yeah, there you go. Who likes trials? Nobody likes trials. But I want you to think about trials, all right? I used this analogy the other day. Who likes roller coasters? Anybody? Yeah, love roller coasters. All right. So I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to get my boy. Where's Todd? Where's Todd? I'm going to get my boy Todd, and tomorrow we're going to go out in the play yard, and we're going to build a roller coaster. Right? We're just going to build a roller coaster. Right? And it's going to be, we're going to go, it's going to be like twice as high as the church. It's going to get up to about 90 miles an hour on the drop. Right? But we're not going to test it. We're going to strap one of you daredevils into it. Right? All right. Amen, Richie. See, now it's a little bit different. But the reason that we are tried and we go through trials is to know how strong we are to be able to withstand things that we might face, right? Nobody wants to get up onto a roller coaster. Nobody wants to be the first rider on the new roller coaster at Great America, right? This roller coaster is untested, right? I, I think there would be a few people, right? Not me. Right? I, years ago, I went on a roller coaster with my brother, um, and it scared me so bad. There was nothing, I mean nothing enjoyable about it. I wouldn't have got back on it if you paid me. I didn't enjoy the experience at all because it was just too much. Right? I like to be on things that are, I know that it's going to be okay. I, I want to know that I'm going to get off of the roller coaster, or that I'm going to be able to get back into my car and go home. Right? I don't want to have to worry about something getting ripped off or flying off into space, you know. So I appreciate that the trials and the testing that these rides go through and that they go through on a regular basis. So we as believers, do we go through like a season of just trial, 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 and then it's like 10 years of goodness? No. We are tried and tested sometimes a lot, sometimes constantly, because the enemy knows the weaknesses in our life, knows, knows the areas that he could tempt us with. So the more that we are tested and tried and battle ready, the better off we are for our sobriety, for our faith, for our, I mean, if you're a dad, you want to be a good dad. Or if you're a mom, you want to be a good mom. You don't want to be this flaky person that nobody can depend on, which I think we Probably pretty much most of us have been, amen? You know, I think all of us would probably go back and change a lot of things. But I want you to think about this as well. But the things that you have gone through have made you who you are today. Had you not gone through the things that you had gone through in your past, you would not be the man or the woman that you are today. So, but what I would say to you is don't go back and try to repeat those things. 
Take those things that you have gone through and use them to better who you are. Take those things to talk to other people like, hey, you know what? I did this, and this is what happened to me, you know? People are going to, you know, I mean, you're going to help some people. Other people are going to be like, ah, oh, whatever. I'll, you know, I'll figure it out for myself because we all know better, right? So, but it does produce character because it builds who we are as a person. You know, I say this all the time. Nobody offers me a sack, right? Right? Not in a long time, right? Why? Why don't people come up and offer me dope when I see them in Chinatown? I go down there. Why don't people come and say, hey, Mike, because I haven't seen you in 10 years. You want, you know, you want a sack? You know, you want to get high? You know? You want to smoke some fentanyl? Right? Well, they don't because they know who I am now. They know that my character is not who I used to be. Before I'd run down to Chinatown, it would be, it was on, you know? It was embarrassing for me because I would be in Chinatown for hours and then be back an hour after I left in the ambulance picking up somebody else thinking, oh, boy, you fools better shut up. <laughs> Don't, nobody narc me out, you know? But it's because when you change and build a character, it becomes foundationally who you are. It's like Scripture said, says when you build your house, Upon the what? We want to build our house upon a rock, right? We don't want to build our house in the sand or in the dirt. We want to build our foundation firm. And that is what happens when you're going through these trials and these testing and this manipulation is if you begin to build and develop character, then you become immovable. No, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing it. And then pretty soon people don't even, people don't even ask you anymore. That, and that's a good thing. It's a relief. Think about it. No, now you don't got to worry about people pestering you to do something stupid anymore because they're not going to because they see the character that is developed within you and they don't even mess with you anymore. Because people actually respect that when you stand up for what you believe in, right? You know, it's just we don't always do that. Um, it says, it says that, that and the hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out on us through his Holy Spirit. And that's true. God loves us. That's why if you raised your hand, should I be in jail or should I be dead? Well, you're not because if God wanted you dead, where would you be? You would be dead, right? You would be dead. But it's because of his love for us, he continually, continually, continually. It's like your kids, right? We love our kids, but when they do something stupid, we, like, threaten them, you know? I'm going to count to 1,700. If you don't put that back, you're going to be grounded, right? We, and, we, and then we count really slow. One, two. It's because we don't want to, Right? We don't want to discipline our kids, but we have to. God doesn't want to discipline us, but he is not opposed to disciplining you. We've been reading the book of Jonah with Nate, how we know how the book ended, you know, mini cattle. Was kind of, yeah, it's kind of strange. But we know that God poured yet again his mercy out on the Assyrian people in the city of Nineveh. But if you historically look at Nineveh, Nineveh was wiped completely off the face of the earth, right? Because 
Yes, yes, once again, they did what they weren't supposed to do. And yes, God was graceful and merciful to them many times, but not forever. There came a day when they were just completely wiped out, destroyed completely, every single person, because of their disobedience and their unwillingness to follow the simple things they were asked to do. And I want to ask you guys tonight, how many chances have we all been given? Right? You might want to say, well, I'm a cat. I got nine lives. You know, I got like three left or whatever. But we don't know, right? Why do we want to keep rolling the dice? Why do we want to keep gambling? Why do we want to keep playing with our fate? Right? Because does anybody here know when God is going to grow tired of your nonsense? Does anybody? No. We have no clue. None. We just think, not me, right? I'm going to get out of it every time. Well, some of you have, some of you haven't. Some of you have spent a really, really long time in jail. Some of you have spent a really, really long time in prison. Some, some of you have had a lot of things taken away from you that you wish you had back. So the best thing to do is to continue with your sobriety, continue through faith, continue working with and trying to build who you are in Christ so that you can build that character and that hope and that direction, and God can begin to do something really, really cool and awesome in your life. I don't know what God is going to call on you guys to do, but God wants to use us to, first of all, spread the gospel. You know, Tell people what God has done in your life. The power of the testimony, right? Like, what is, you know, I mean, you don't have to walk into Wendy's and whip out a Bible and preach the gospel. But, but if you're in Wendy's and you see an old, an old friend, you can certainly sell, tell them, hey, this is what's different. This is what I'm doing. This is what's finally working for me. You know, you don't have to be all graceful and you don't have to know a bunch of big Christian words or, you know, all you have to do is say, hey, this is working for me. My life has changed. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a different person. I'm enjoying my life. I don't do all those things anymore. And because that's what we're called to do. You know, we're called to share what's been done for us with others. And if you truly believe that something changed in, has changed in your life, then we, we simply want to do that. We want to tell people what's different, you know. I spent many, many, many years before COVID in the jail, like week after week, month after month, year after year, not always wanting to go, you know, and sit around with like 36 girls and, you know, going through the Bible with them, but I felt like it was useful. I felt like that's what I was supposed to do. I felt like I wanted to tell them, I wanted to give them hope. I wanted to see them get excited about the possibility of change, and we've seen great Great success from the jail. We've seen phenomenal success coming, coming out of our local hospital community. Some of our best residents that we've ever gotten have come from either the jail or community hospital. You know? And we just simply follow the recipe for success. You know? Here's sobriety. Here is an open door to faith. Here is the gospel. And... Whether or not they do that, it's their choice. You know, the expression, you can lead a, a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I can't force 
this down your throat. I can't make you raise your hands and worship. I can't make you grateful for what God has done in your life. I can't make you happy that you're sober. I can't make you feel different than what you feel. But what I can ask you to do is be open to the possibility is like, why is my life different now than it's ever been? What am I doing different now than I did before? And I would, I would say to you, what you're doing differently now is you're around a completely different type of people, right? You're around a different group of people. You're around people that have faith and that believe in you that don't even know you. Like I was telling the guys this morning, with this dining room on Friday night was filled with 300 people, okay, that don't know them personally. If I said to any one of those 300 people, tell me who Paul Nieto is, they would be like, is it him? Is it him? They, they don't know, right? They don't know. But why are they here? Why did they pay $75 to come and eat short ribs besides they were really, really good, you know? And why did they donate their money and their time for somebody they couldn't even pick out in a crowd? If I would, if I, even if I lined up three of them and said which one, they would be like, I don't know. Well, then why are you here spending your time and your money for somebody you don't even know? That's the gospel, right? That's the gospel message, right? Because you know who does know Paul? Christ. And that is good enough for somebody that is going to spend their time and their money to help somebody. You know what I mean? I could go on YouTube, right? And I go on I, I YouTube everything, right? Everything. Want to know how to do this? YouTube it. You want to go to that? YouTube it. Fix my hot tub. Go on YouTube. Do this. Go on YouTube. You know? I was talking to my youngest son who... At one time was a, was a big believer, and he used to he used to like just 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 hammer me because I didn't believe, like so he has he has fallen away, you know he enjoys what we do he understands what we do and I was I was sharing with him about the dinner, and I was sharing that one of our ladies makes tortillas right she makes these really good tortillas, and I had this harebrained idea let's live auction off tortilla lessons, right. Right? And, and so he said, well, did anybody buy him? I said, yeah, not only did somebody buy him, they paid $4,000 for him. Right? He's like, why would they do that? I could go on YouTube and in five minutes know how to make tortillas. Right? But that goes back to God's love. Right? God wants to bless his people. God wants his people to know they are valued, that they have value, that they have worth, that we can teach them something, right? So they're not paying $4,000 to know how to make tortillas. They're paying $4,000 to spend a few hours with somebody they want to get to know. That's the gospel message. Amen? Isn't that powerful? All right. I was telling Claudia the other night, because she used to make me tortillas all the time, all right? I said, well, I guess I'm not going to get tortillas anymore. She said, well, why is that? I said, I can't afford you, 
right? You know? But that's God showing his love to his people. That's God and God's people believing that people can and will change if they have the opportunity, right? So it goes on to say in verse 9, since we therefore now have been justified by his blood. It talks about, you know, none of us, none of us in this room are going to volunteer to die for any, any other one of us, right? We say we will. Oh, man, I'll take a bullet for you, homie, any day, right? There's all the ones like, oh, they're shooting at us, right? You're ducking behind you, right? Isn't that true? You know, look at Peter, right? Who did he claim to love? Jesus. I would never. I got your back. I wouldn't, man, no, don't even, don't insult me. I got your back. I got your back, right? I would die for you. I would do anything for you, anything. What did, what happened? Ooh. That's somebody that walked with him, somebody that ate with him and hung out with him and told stories with him, Right? And slept with him, right? And you tell your roommates at the bridge, yeah, bro, somebody walked into this house right now, bro, take a bullet for you. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you're not gonna, you're gonna be, you're gonna be the first, you're gonna be the first one out, right? So I was a fireman for a lot of years, and and I always thought, right, I'm like, I'm man, I'm a super fireman, right? I'm brave, right? We were in a grocery store one night, and it was fully involved. And me and a, a friend of mine, uh, Ron King, had made entry in. We were the first in. We brought the first attack line in, and uh, we wanted to start penetrating the ceiling. So we, you have what's called a, a piercing nozzle that you put on and you poke it into the ceiling and you open the bale and it squirts water, water into the attic. And we're, we were going to be the heroes, man. We were going to hit this fire. And so we were poking it up into the ceiling and pulling it out and poking it up into the ceiling. And then all of a sudden, the fire coming from the other way hit the, the Coke machine and the CO2 canister started going off. Bam! like a bomb. And then we went to pull the nozzle out of the ceiling, and we couldn't because the ceiling was sinking down. I ran over the top of my partner so quick. Are you kidding me? I was like, bam! I grabbed the hose, and I followed out the door, and man, I was out. I kept looking back. I hope he's coming out soon. Right? Now, how many times in training would I have said, bro, I'll get your back? Right? I would die in that fire pulling you out. No, as soon as that ceiling started coming down, I was like, bam! See ya. Right? But I, but I admit it. I mean, when I came into that, that thing, I was not a hero. 
right? I wanted out of that building. I didn't want to get a building collapse on me and burn to death, right? No, I, I was out. I'm glad that Ron came out shortly after me, but we like to think that we are, we like to think more than ourselves than we actually are capable of producing. So would any of us die for one another? Probably not. We would probably die for our family or die for one of our children, absolutely. But to die for somebody you despise? Who would die for somebody they despised? Anybody? Well, I'm not saying Christ despised anybody, but there's a lot of people that we probably despise that he gladly died for, right? He died for everybody past, present, and future, right? There's all these people that we don't like. We're like, did he die for? Yeah, he did. Did he die for that person? Did he die for that terrorist? Yes, he did. Did he die for that murderer? Yes, he did. He died for that guy that ripped me off? Yes, he did. Right? It doesn't matter. Christ loves for all of us. And he died for all of us equally. And he wants us to, to develop that character. But it's going to come through trials. And it's going to come through things in our life changing and being shaken up. And, and hopefully we'll, we'll become that man or that woman that stand firm in their faith. And they're not moved. You know, What I don't want somebody to do is spending all this time Gaining all this faith, and, and, you know, and, and an old friend shows up, and like five minutes later, you're off to the races. You just forgot everything you learned, right? Because it happens all the time. It happens all the time. People drowned all the time trying to save somebody, okay? It's not our job to save somebody. It's simply our job to be who God has called us to be, you know, to to let them see who we are, to let them desire what we have, and let them make the decision to do something different. Amen. I'm going to invite Bob. I don't know if it's Bob and the team or just Bob. If it's just Bob, it'll be a drum solo, right? So, Lord, thank you for, for meeting us here tonight. Lord, thank you for your gospel message. Thank you for the sobriety in this room tonight. Thank you for Chris being here tonight and feeling better, and thank you for all the men and women that graduated this weekend at the bridge, and thank you for all that you continue to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.